0: Abolition, Abolition
1: Complexity theory is a set of tools for modeling complex systems. It is used in many different areas of science, engineering, and management whenever we are dealing with systems that are composed of many parts that are highly interconnected and interdependent, such as computer networks, economies, or ecosystems. The aim of this course is to give you a solid grasp of the key concepts that have emerged out of complexity theory over the past few decades. After starting with systems theory, that is widely accepted as the foundations to the area of complex systems, we will go on to explore nonlinear systems, introducing you to chaos theory and the famous butterfly effect.
2: Praying to stay out of trouble, being humble. So much weighing on my mind got me seeing double. Thinking the ones who support and cuddle, knowing we struggle. Nightly awakening, and troublesome. Occupy time blowing bubble gum, thinking wonderful. Aside from when we get out of line, like kids coloring. Tumbling pages in front of me, trying to get it buzzing like bumblebee, bubbling white like baking soda. When I write in notebooks, putting it together like peanut butter and jelly, flat screens and sofas. Plus I know a bunch of bad misses that flip out more than mattresses while I be relaxing it Maximus, twisting the green up flow like saxophones in habitats with cabbage patch kids where everything's making a racket. And the fact is we be feeling the crowd trying of surviving parts, dried in cactus, this is an analogy to butterfly effect, every, every, every single action got a subtle wide effect, the it's the butterfly effect, every single action got a subtle wild effect, things looking towards the better tomorrow, Began to follow guidelines set in my heart, hoping to never be set back. And if it does happen, never to let that hold me down, doing to get by. We all going through hard times, trying to live a good life. But I forget the rough times Get in the new days Take time Learning from mistakes Going through the breaks Waves went piffin' through day And it's pain While trying to get changed Flipping through minutes Like pages Going the distance Hard to quit Striving Hoping to never give It's amazing Life is sometimes dangerous Stay pivoted Trying to get a grip, pile everything on the strips Trying to get a grip, I get a kick, gotta hop in the whip Taking a spin, like I caught me some new kicks Breaking them in, taking baby steps Day by day, weighing in integrity and priority Playing the win Day by day, weighing in integrity and priority Playing the win This is an analogy to butterfly effect.
3: It isn't merely that your fate depends on whether or not you get your act together and to what degree you decide that you're going to live out your own genuine being. It isn't only your fate. It's the fate of everyone that you're networked with. And so, you know, you think, well... There's 9 billion, 7 billion people in the world. We're going to peak at about 9 billion, by the way, and then it'll decline rapidly. But 7 billion people in the world, and who are you? You're just one little dust moat among that 7 billion. And so it really doesn't matter what you do or don't do, but that's simply not the case. It's the wrong model, because you're at the center of a network. You're a node in a network. Of course, that's even more true now that we have social media. You'll, you know, you'll know a 1,000 people, at least over the course of your life. And they'll know a thousand people each. And that puts you one person away from a million. And two persons away from a billion. And so that's how you're connected. And the things you do, they're like dropping a stone in a pond. The ripples move outward. And they affect things in ways that you can't fully comprehend. And it means that the things that you do and that you don't do are far more important than
0: you think. Abolition. 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 Abolition.
4: You just heard heard. complexity theory course introduction, and that was followed by Dubson Yada, the butterfly effect featuring Vordomega, and it was also including Jordan Peterson, the butterfly effect on your life. Peace and welcome to Abolition Today, a weekly syndicated online radio program with a specific focus on modern slavery as it is practiced through the 13th Amendment of the U.S. Constitution and by for-profit prisons worldwide. We air live every Sunday at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 Central, 5 Mountain, and 4 Pacific. Live streams and archived podcasts are available at abolitiontoday.org and on all major podcast platforms. My name is Yusuf Hassan. I'm joined as always by my co-host, Max Parthas. Peace, Max.
5: Peace, Yusuf. I'm here in Sumter, South Carolina at the Paul Cuffe Abolitionist Center streaming live with a couple of guests in the house. Sister Sharon and Brother David Say hey Hey All right. hey, hey So last week
4: out, We had our returning guests Jamelia Land and Samuel Brown This husband wife dynamic duo Are two of the lead organizers For the End Slavery in California Act And on Thursday February 15th 2023 at the California Capitol They joined assembly member Lori Wilson in hosting A press conference introducing the legislation. The act is an assembly constitutional amendment that will remove involuntary servitude from the California State Constitution. We listened to some of the press conference highlights and we discussed the future and history of slavery in California as well as nationwide. This week, we're joined by Pat Gailey, author of Fundamentals of Well-Being, Four Qualities You Can't Live Without. Pat is also the lead organizer for Abolish Slavery Kentucky and a member of the Quaker community. Last but not least, she is a student of physicist David Baum. This provides a great opportunity to discuss the physics of abolition, chaos complexity theory, quantum theory, fractal geometry, wholeness, and the the, uh, implicate order. The butterfly effect. Phase transitions, self-organizing systems, system thinking, emergence, initial conditions of chaos and pattern recognition. We'll cover the science while breaking down the issues of legalized slavery in Pat's home state of Kentucky and nationally, including the U.S. US Department of Justice's scathing report on policing in in Louisville. Of course, it will all be mixed with amazing music and educational, inspirational audio presentations. Even our Bridget the Gap segment covers the science of abolition as applied by the ancestors. So be sure to bring pen and paper. Class is in, and it will blow your mind. We're three days from abolition today's third anniversary, and we're doing something special. You won't hear anywhere else from anyone else. So before we jump into tonight's topic, Give us a quick
5: update, Max. All right. Uh, I think you skipped a week, though. Last week we did Breaking the Silence. Um, we went into that in detail on, you know, the silence and how to. Silence uh, is violence.
4: Uh, Absolutely. Yes, yeah,
5: silence is violence, indeed. Uh, but, yeah, man, this is a, It's going to be a tough one. I worked pretty hard on the productions throughout the week. It took a lot of inspiration and thought to go into it because this is such a huge thing uh what we're talking about complexity theory chaos theory fractal geometry uh all of these different things by themselves you could give classes on for a couple of years <laughs> but we what i want to do is to open people's eye, uh minds and eyes to these new sciences and how they have been applied already and how i'm actually using them in the abolitionist movement uh this science of complexity theory Pattern recognition and on and on and I was blessed to over the years meet a few people who understand some of these things like our guest today Pat Gailey uh, Who is the author of the book four qualities you can't live without and uh, she is uh, heavily influenced At least in the book by people like David Bohm uh, the physicist who uh, Spoke of wholeness and the implicate order So I'm hoping that I do a real good job tonight, along with you and Pat, to be able to express this new science and how it can be applied to not just abolition, to just about anything. Yusuf,
4: right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm I'm looking forward to it. Uh, just in the past week, uh, I attended a couple of uh, state meetings, so I I sat in with uh, Thirteen Forward out of New York had a great meeting. They have an excellent coalition going, and we're honored to have them on as our guest next week. We will have uh, the names escape me right now, uh, the 13th Forward Leaders, Jesse uh, Kouklos, the statewide organizer for Citizen Action of New York, and Wilfredo Lauacuente, an educator and formerly incarcerated advocate. So, really excited about having them come on next week. But super duper duper excited behind having pat gailey on with us this week and i just want to read you know her bio so pat has always viewed herself as a tenacious and creative problem solver supported by a blend of deep ecology quantum physics and occupational science she's used her skills and knowledge to redirect her own less satisfying and shorter life trajectory complicated by adverse childhood experiences and heavy metal poisoning to a longer and more satisfying life experience. Her lifelong intentions to write and make the world a better place are evident in her current initiatives of writing, teaching, and coaching to, to help others create more satisfying lives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the show, Pat Gailey out of Kentucky. Yeah,
6: yeah, yeah.
5: You might
6: be on mute. I,
5: well There you go.
6: <laughs>
7: <laughs> Y'all are blowing me away here. Um, it is delightful to be here with you all and um I really appreciate your interest in in my work and um I just want to say that when I first saw and heard what y'all were doing, it um, struck a very deep chord in me because uh, you are embodying what I write about, and, and that is using your occupations, using your moment now, the next moment, the next moment, each one coming Um to make the world a better place. And, and I really appreciate that. And I want to lift up, you know, what, what y'all are doing too. It's inspiring to say the least.
6: Uh,
5: Thank you you so much. Uh,
7: You've been around us
5: for quite some time now and uh, you've seen, yeah, that is what we're doing. And and you've also seen the science of it all, too. I know you've recognized it, and you and I have talked about it to some degree before because you apply it in your own life. You also uh, suggest many aspects of it through your book. Uh, tell us a little bit about your understanding uh, based on, I guess, the influences of David Bohm and others in regards to this science.
7: Okay. Um, I I will begin with... My journey into david bohm's work, and so um, as an occupational therapist, I have used um, the idea that doing things that have meaning to it has a healing effect this This is something that o t s have known for a century now, you know, and have been using that but but I have always been frustrated because um in that profession that knowledge is all based on um, empirical data like you know we look at lived experience and we say okay well that that worked in this case and that worked in this case and so we kind of put that together and say okay this is this is a the science of meaning in in occupations but i was frustrated because looking at it in that way didn't tell me how to what's the word? Um, navigate or how to construct a better experience for somebody. You know, if somebody feels stuck in their life experience, you know, you you can't just say, Okay, well here's something with me, let's just plop that into your little Scenario here, and think that that's going to make a huge difference. Um, it, it may work like that, but it may not. But and I saw lots of um, complex situations where there were nuances where one kind of meaning would be in opposition to another kind of meaning, all held by the same person. And what do you do? You know, so so I was looking for science that underlies the use of meaning as a therapeutic tool. And fortunately, one of my dissertation advisors was a good friend of David Bohm's and introduced me to his work. And I started reading about it. And and what David Bohm did is he took the, um, the three properties of quantum mechanics and kind of played them out in terms of human experience. And that was a perfect fit for me because then I could say, okay, um, here's a situation and we need more meaning. How are we going to get that meaning? Well, there's the ways and the particle that, so we can look at the thoughts that create manifestations and how manifestations create other thoughts. You know, it's always kind of a back and forth thing, and then the idea that um, meaning is a thought activity, and um, I, I, everybody's familiar with Einstein's E equals MC squared, right? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So, so David Bohm's idea was that meaning is another part of that equation, E equals MC squared equals meaning. And so, you have to have meaning in order for life to continue. And, and this is something that our empirical data tells us that Viktor Frankl um, discovered when he was at Auschwitz. You know, when when people lost the meaning in their life, um, they died very quickly. He could predict deaths within a couple of days. You know, based on the meanings that were stripped away from people. Um, And and then there's the whole idea of um, hidden influences. Um, Bohm first wrote about it, I think, in 1950 or 52, and he called it hidden variables. And um, now that idea has kind of evolved a little bit, and and people call it non-local influence now. So you can be a butterfly on one side of the world, Slap your wings, and that actually influences so many things across the world. So, so what I've done is I've taken that and kind of put it together in terms of my experience. And and case in point, you know, you and I have talked, Max, about this. Um, situation in Kentucky um, where there are a lot of competing interests in the legislation right now um, and and how frustrating that is to me. And I was thinking about that today and thinking, oh, I just need to find a different way of meaning to connect with people. Uh, and, and I started getting some ideas. I haven't fleshed it all out yet, but, you know, when you – Kind of stir the pot a little bit then then ideas can um maybe come up so so I have hope
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes
5: <clears throat> we all and, and working I, on hope and miracles uh and exactly. a little bit of initial conditions of chaos <laughs> uh, yes. I, I became aware of, uh David Bohm some years ago uh it was after i guess the discovery of uh Quantum entanglement, you know, and Mm -hmm. in regards to that, he wrote, uh, he was called Wholeness in the Implicate Order, and it kind of gave us two choices, that because of this quantum entanglement, it shows that there is either faster than light communication happening, or there is no space between, it is a seamless whole. And I think he went along with the seamless whole idea himself, which I did as well, Mm -hmm. Um, and that really intrigued me uh, because at the time uh, I was studying complexity theory, and it reminded me quite a bit and and was related quite a bit uh, to interconnectedness of things, the interconnectedness of things and how these systems develop, uh, self-organizing systems develop, sometimes without us designing it just because of the actions that are occurring collectively it becomes an emergent thing yes i, uh, I totally like agree to re- yes would you like to respond uh, to any of that
7: your or Yusuf? of yes yeah. well, give you a, a chance here while i collect my thoughts. okay
4: okay <laughs> uh you know i was i was Also introduced to David Bohm many years ago, and the first book that I read of his was Thought as a System, and it kind of ties right in with what you're saying, where in his book he speaks about collective thought and knowledge becoming so automated that we're in a large part controlled by those, with the subsequent loss of authenticity, freedom, and order. And 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 you know, then I learned later on about chaos theory, and that's kind of like when it really clicked in my head, you know, and you hear people talk about order out of chaos and complexity complexity theory uh, so my question to you, Pat, uh I'd really like to hear your interpretation you know of, of that since you've studied Baum far more than I have,
7: so can you say your question again? i'm sorry,
4: so i uh, I just wanted to get your your thoughts on where David Baum had suggested that collective thought and knowledge have just become so automatic that we become controlled by these thoughts and then any, like, authenticity, freedom, or order are stripped from the society.
7: Right. Okay. Um, I, I see what you're asking now. I... Um, the thing that I know is that um, when he was looking at non-local influences, he um, he wrote about like a radio wave, where there's a signal that comes from some source somewhere, and it guides a, an airplane or or whatever. And um, and then he kind of. Went on from that to talk about cultural influences and how um, some some influences are kind of like um, the orchestration of a ballet where everybody's working together, you know, and and it's it's all smooth and beautiful and, and all of that, um, but that can move into a place of um, more rigidity, you know, if Mm -hmm. if those ballerinas or whatever you call a a man, ballet guy. (laughs) Um, Ballerino, I guess. Yeah, maybe so. You know, if if they don't have any room to be creative in their process, then then they're kind of funneled into um, this one way of being and, and doing things together, and, and our cultures definitely do that. The um, one of the ways that I think about it, that, that I put these things together, is that that Bohm talked about different um, frequencies of wavelengths in the human mm-hmm. experience. You know, so so there's the very subtle. Um, thoughts and spiritual experiences and then there's the more tangible physical experiences and in his infinite order he talked about unfolding meaning and enfolding meaning and i referred to this a minute ago but not with those terms on it so so when you have an idea it unfolds you know through your different dimensions of moving towards tangibility. For example, if, if I have an idea of um, say, a, to put a statue in a park, because I think that statue might bring people together. You know, there there may be a spiritual inspiration behind that or or um, some kind of an archetypal inspiration behind the, the kind of statue that I want to put there. And then there's going to be my imagination, which is a little bit more tangible, not much, but a little bit. And then there's all this stuff about how our society works, you know, and, and the different cultural influences. Some people might be put off by one kind of statue. Other people might be drawn to it. You know, and, and how are those things really going to work together to bring this, um, to, to bring this project to fruition in a way that is going to work in the way that I want it to work. And I've got to reflect on that. You know, who am I in relation to this statue? You know, I've I've got to think about that. And and then in a little bit more tangible thinking, there's the, the pragmatics of the logistics of, well, how big is the statue going to be? And where is it going to sit in the in whatever park and who's going to fund it and what kind of labor is going to be required to put it together. And and then there's going to be people's emotions, my emotions. Do I really want this to happen or not? You know, and those emotions, and emotions are going emotions steer, to go steer into, into either theater. more tangibility. I think some feedback. I'm not sure why. Um, and then there's going to be a social... Feedback too, you know, where other people are going to say, well, you know, I really like that idea, but no, nah, I don't think so. I'm not going to help with that. And maybe it'll all come together into a tangible thing, a real statue in the project, in the in the park. And if it does, then that statue in the park is going to enfold meaning back through all those layers. And even as you're going. Down through the layers, there's going to be meaning folding back enfolding folding back you know if if I have a certain kind of a reflection about um that kind of whatever statue it may shift my thinking it may shift my idea about spirituality, about community, about um the wholeness of you know how how we can be better together or all of that so so there's this constant back and forth flow in any idea that goes towards the tangible and then back towards the more subtle um, and and that's all part of the implicate order as as I understand Bohm's work now what happens too is that around my idea there's all kinds of chaos happening right I mean I'm, I may get this I may get sick in the middle of that project. I, um, I may have a car wreck. My mother may die. You know, there's there's all kinds of stuff that can happen. And if so much happens that I can't get back on top of it, then that project is going to go by the wayside, right, because I'm going to have to focus on taking care of myself. And fortunately, you know, I don't, I don't know if you've, Come across in your readings the um, the law of thermodynamics that says that yeah that you know when when there's a chaotic environment things are going to kind of spin down into disorder and disease and death.
5: The more
7: complex system is, yeah. Yeah, there is a second interpretation of that law by Prigogine and Stengers, I think, in 1984, they discovered that living systems can sometimes pull something helpful out of the chaos and incorporate it into their own way of thinking, their own way of doing, and grow their capacity to to solve problems and to meet the demands of the chaotic environment. Emergent and, property. Yes, yes, and and so that's that's like the bright shining light of hope is is that there's always that possibility that you can kind of pluck something out of the craziness and put it to use. You can move forward, and not to move forward, but grow who you are, grow your capacity, grow your ability okay. to work together. Stay- as a, as a team, you know, as a community, and um, make the world a better place. And that's what we're trying to do, right?
5: That's what we're trying to do. Uh, Listen, I want to play another track that will help us understand more. But I did just want to join into the conversation a little bit. And, you know, from the intro, we're talking mainly about complexity theory here, right? Uh, yeah, it's, exactly. the tools that we, it's tools that we can use that help us to model complex systems to see how they work. And I know when it comes to things like uh, crimes against humanity, like slavery, those are very complex systems that usually touch on every aspect of a society in order for them to stay alive. And I know the ancestors, particularly those like Frederick Douglass, often looked at slavery as in itself a living thing, a system so complex mm-hmm. that it had its own identity. What new skin this beast will come forth in uh, was one of the things mm-hmm. that he would he said about it, and I started looking at it in the same way, and I wanted to understand more how this beast uh worked, how it communicated, what its goals were, and I learned a lot of that through complexity theory, and then also a study of superorganisms because you know from the human body all the way up to. Nations were superorganisms to a very large degree, one small part of a larger whole. But the small part can change the entire system. And that's what they talk about with the initial conditions of chaos. With just one moment, one action, one word, one flap of the butterfly's wings can change the entire system and make it flip or make it completely different than it was before. And with that being said, I want to go ahead and get into this second track, which is What is a Complex System? And it's going to be followed by NASA's One Mic. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Our guest today is Pat Gailey. We'll be right back after this. Abolition Today.
1: Probably the only property that will be in all definitions of a complex system is that they consist of many parts many parts that are distributed out without centralized control. Organization is formed out of the local interactions between the parts through a process of self-organization that gives rise to the emergence of new levels of organization. With the phenomenon of emergence that we were previously discussing, a whole new level to the system has developed, which then starts to interact with other systems in its environment, the result being that new patterns of organization develop and once again we get the emergence of another level of organization and so on people form part of social groups that form part of broader society which in turn forms part of humanity the point to take away here is that these systems have a hierarchical structure this is a pervasive phenomenon in our world Elements are nested inside of subsystems, which in turn, form part of larger systems, and so on. All complex systems have this multidimensional property to them. They are composed of many elements on many different scales, with all of these levels affecting each other. A business is part of a local economy, which is part of a national economy, which in turn is part of a global economy. Each is interconnected and interdependent with the others we cannot fully isolate one component or reduce the whole thing to one level and this is a primary source of complexity so this is our first property to a complex system many different parts that are distributed out with local interactions and self-organization giving rise to new emergent levels on different scales due to what are called feedback loops nonlinear systems may grow or decay at an exponential rate these periods of rapid change are defined as phase transitions. Thus, complex systems are known to be able to shift or flip into whole new regimes within very brief periods of time. Some small change in input value to the system can through feedback loops trigger a large systemic effect. This is called sensitivity to initial conditions and it is the central idea within chaos theory
8: in town. All I need is one mic, one beat, one stage, one nigga front, my face on the front page. Only if I had one gun, one girl, and one crib, one God to show me how to do things in sun-dead. Pure, like a cup of virgin blood, mixed with 151, one sip will make a nigga flip. Writing names on my hollow tips, plotting shit, mad violence, who I'm going to this hood, politics acknowledge it, leave bodies chopped up in garbages. seeds watch us, grow up and try to follow us, police watch us, roll up and try knocking us, one knee I just could it be my time is up with my love I got up, the cops shot again Bust stop glass, burst a fiend Drops of Heineken, ricocheting between The spots that I'm hiding in, blacking out I shoot back, fuck getting hit This is my hood, I'm a rat To the death of it, to everybody, come on Little niggas, it's grown, look rats Don't abortion your wounds, we need more warriors Soon, shit from the stars, sun and the moon And it's like a police chaser, streets Sweepers and coppers, sick of kids with no conscience Leaving victims with doctors, if you really Think you are ready to die, we're out This is what nines about, nigga. The time yeah, all I need is one mic one mic all I need is one mic one mic all I need is one mic one mic onemic all I need, all i need is one mic all I need, all I need is one mic. All I need is one blunt, one page, and one pen, one prayer. Tell God forgive me for one sin. Matter of fact, maybe more than one. Look back at all the hatred against me. Fuck all of them. Jesus died at age 33. There's 33 shots from twin glocks and 16 apiece. That's 32, which means one of my guns was holding 17. 27 hit your crew. Six winners of you. Everybody gotta die sometime. Hope your funeral never get shot up. Bullets tear through the innocent. Nothing is spare. Niggas roll up shooting from wheelchairs. My heart is racing. Pays him revenge in the air I let this shit slide for too many years Too many times now I'm strapped with a couple of Macs Too many nines If y'all niggas really with me Get busy, load up the semis Do more than just hold it Explode the clip until you empty There's nothing in our way They bust, we bust They rust, we rust Let's fly and feel it I feel it in my gut That we take these bitches to war Lie them down Cause we stronger now My nigga, the time is now all I need is one mic, one mic. One mic. That's, all need, That's all I need That's all I need That's All I need is one All I need is one mic, one mic, So I you need to do a thing, no. All I need is one mic. All I need is one life, one try, one breath on one man. What I stand for speak for dust. They don't understand and want to see me on top. Too egotistical, talking all that slick shit the same way these bitches do. Wonder what my sequence is. Niggas will move on you only if they know what your weakness is. I have none. Too late to grab guns, I'm blasting. Cause I'm a fool, nigga, thought I wouldn't have that ass done. Who you niggas, what you call an infinite brawl, eternal soul splashing World gets deep, some beats is everlasting. Complete with dick claws. Brothers lifing each other up in prison, y'all. Drama, where does it start? You know the block was ill as a youngster Every night it was like a cop get killed Body found in the dumpster, for real a hustler Purchased my range, niggas throwing dirt on my name Jealous cause fiends got they work to Bitches left me cause they thought I was finished Should've knew she wasn't true, she came to me When a man caught a sentence, diamonds are blinded I never make the same mistakes Moving with a change of pace, light a load See now the king is straight, swelling my melon Cause none of these niggas real hurt equal were telling police how can a kingpin squeal This is crazy, I'm on the right track I'm finally found, you need some soul searching, it's time, is now All I need is one mic one yeah, mic. Yeah, yeah. All I need is one mic one That's all I ever needed in this world Fuck cash, all I need is one mic Fuck the cars, the jewelry All I need is one mic one mic. Spread my voice to the whole world Abolition,
0: Abolition. Every day.
4: Welcome back to Abolition Today, today. abolitiontoday.org, with Yusuf Hassan and Max Parthis along with our guest, Pat Gailey, author of Fundamentals of Well-Being, Four Qualities You Can't Live Without. So you just heard, what is a complex system, and what better way than to exemplify that through Naz's One Mic, where he's telling you he can take one mic and the entire world can hear his voice. So, Pat, we'll pass it to you first, as our custom here. We always let the guests speak first on the tracks that we've heard.
7: Oh, thank you, Yusuf. I I love that idea of of one mic. Um, it's um, it's empowering, and uh, I I I struggle with that myself. You know, sometimes feeling like I I don't have a big voice. I, have um, enough I don't know technical power behind me to to make my voice heard. But again, it's it's like, you know, you say what you can when you can say it and that can make a difference. Um, for mm-hmm. for example, um uh, I I just posted a blog, um the other day, and, and I'm not recommending that everybody go look at it because it's it's got some trigger warnings on it. But um, <laughs> the, some of the feedback that I've gotten is really um, heartening. You know, one one person who I haven't heard from for for a long time connected with the idea of land back, and is now we're in a conversation about how she might go about doing that you know with with her land here in Kentucky and that's that's not exactly the slavery issue but it's related it's very much related because it's all about how we treat each other right you know and right. and being in in right relations with each other and i think that that what happens or what happens however many years ago eons ago um, thousands of years ago 500 years ago somebody had the great idea that they could be powerful and important and could make more money and that their gift to the world was controlling other people and that idea took hold right and <laughs> and is now manifesting in so many ways you know in in the slavery um, that has just been ongoing in one form or another, and in the way our capitalist society works, and in the way that um indigenous people and black people have been written out as privileges that white people got you know there's there's just so many things that are that are kind of following that meaning that is carrying forward um and, and I think that it's really important to find a different meaning that goes deeper than that. And to me, that is the meaning of right relations and valuing not just humanity but, but our ecosystem and focusing on that and helping other people to focus on that. And, and I, I don't always do a good job at that, I, you know. I I have my own struggles but but I think that that when like with this friend um she heard what I was saying along those lines in in this blog and resonated with it and so now we're connected around that idea and and we can talk more you know and that conversation can evolve and 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 maybe maybe we'll do something together you know maybe maybe she'll help me with um Changing the laws in Kentucky, I don't know um she's trying to take care of her right now too, so uh, she's got some some personal challenges but but i i for me it's it's like there is there are underlying principles and and one of those is that I think everybody wants to stay alive for most of us anyways and and we just have different ideas about what's going to keep us alive and some of those ideas are very erroneous and and that's what plays out for people but but when we can tap into the deeper truths of of right relations then maybe those people can come on board you know you, i've i've heard of a number of cases where Somebody is like anti gay you know it's it's like gay l g b t you know it's just totally intolerable. well, all of a sudden that person has a child who comes out, and then a few years later, there's a change in because they cared because even under all that garbage they cared you know and and they wanted the best for their child and and I know it doesn't always happen like that and um I think the the issue around racial relations may be um, even more complex and bigger. Um, I I don't have any way of putting that together, but but I think what we really need to do is find, with our one (laughs) mic, speak to that deeper need of connection and well-being, the idea that, that people can be well. You know, people can um sustain themselves and we can not all independently but um that we can help each other do that if we are kind and respectful. Um so thank
5: you, Pat.
7: Appreciate that's, that. As my sub <laughs> I want to
5: uh get back into the, the clip that we heard a little bit and uh talk about some of the things that were mentioned in there as well as shout out to Nas with one mic expressing exactly what we we're talking about within this mm-hmm. system where the initial conditions can change everything. And you know, all you need is that one mic, you know, uh, or it could be something else. You you really cannot predict what the total outcome will be of every action uh, because you've never seen it before. But there is ways to recognize a pattern and predict in mm-hmm. that way. And that's through the right. study of history. History tends to repeat, uh, or as I say, it's a synonym. It's the same crap smell differently. So if you're a student of history, you can see key points in history that do repeat where the same things pop up over and over again. And if you were to do something in these key moments that is different than what has been done before, there's a large a chance that you can now change the system entirely, mm-hmm. particularly through some of the emergent systems that we have developed along the way. Like slavery abolition is an emergent system. It, it prior to I'd say the 1970s, there was no real major effort about slavery abolition. Even all the way up to 2008, 2010, nobody was challenging uh, in any successful way state or federal constitutions that allowed slavery to be legal. And that is a specific uh, point in time where you can say everything changed from here. When, you, when this thing right. became legal, mm-hmm. all these other things stemmed from it. So we're talking about the racism in the court stemmed from this legality of slavery, the convict leasing, a direct result of the legalities of slavery, uh, police mm-hmm. brutality, Uh, slave catchers, on and on and on. Even the extortion and exploitation can all trace their roots back to these initial conditions of chaos, which was the introduction of an exception clause that literally defined the conditions under which a human being can be turned into property. Um, And so if you can identify those moments in time, you can literally throw yourself into the machine. Uh, metaphorically speaking speaking, throw a monkey wrench, do something completely different. And through feedback loops, you can watch it amplify. And we see those in the feedback loops of the press covering our efforts, for instance. We keep seeing more and more press covering our efforts because of the feedback loop that is occurring, influencing so many people across the country and abroad. Uh, So feedback loops, Emergent systems and studying history are all critical, uh, particularly if you're literally looking for change. And it's hard to always tell when that change or who that change will come from, because if you remember, the abolitionist movement had one of its biggest turns towards success based on the Anthony Burns case in Boston. Nobody planned it. Nobody expected it. But that was one of the key moments in abolitionist history where everything changed. During the fugitive slave laws, they had arrested Anthony Burns, who was an escaped slave who was in Boston at the time. He had come from Virginia. And people started to rise up wanting to free him from this jail. They had to put protection out in of the jail to keep all these Negroes and abolitionists who was gathering to free this man in a nation where he was supposed to already be free or in a state where he was supposed to be already free. And that moment in Mm. time changed many things. So uh, I'll pass the mic over to either to, to you, Pat, if you want to follow up on any of that.
7: Your comments about history um, are striking to me. I really appreciate your bringing that in. Some of my thoughts, earlier today regarding Kentucky was like a little aha moment. Oh, Kentucky was also a border state. You know, in the Civil War, Kentucky was a border state.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: And so why should I expect to hear a unified voice now? Right. You know? and 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 i can even look at you know there are the the horse races the the horse farms that were so dependent on slave labor for so long and then at the same time there are small communities right here around Berea that have been diverse black and white people living next door to each other since before the town of Berea was founded, before the college of Berea was founded. And those communities is, are probably what drew John G.C. here and gave him the idea. He was an abolitionist, and probably those communities gave him the idea that, oh, he could build a college and a town here that would be, you know, open to everybody and, you know, and. Everybody could live together and work together, and, and it would all be great. So you've got that, like, within 40 miles of the horse farms, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And and so um, so where – and my question right now is what is going to break up this pattern that's going to bring the people of Kentucky to one side of the fence, to my side of the fence, to our side of the fence, rather than sitting on the fence between – Yeah, that's important, but we've got some other things we need to do.
5: Well, I can't tell you the lyrics to the song that will do that, but I do know how to hum the music. Um, So I can hum the music. (laughs) What I mean by that is that we know that through the efforts that we're making, it's constantly creating agitation and pressure, even from the outside in. So Kentucky can stand there like a deer in the headlights, pretending they don't see the exception clause in their state constitution, or they can be directly affected by the many states that have now already done it uh, without any ill effects to date. Uh, They can also be affected by the pressure to get it done from other states outside of Kentucky. Kentucky is not an island, and they depend on their relationships throughout the rest of the country. So the pressure can be put on them. And most of all, they should do it because it's the right thing to do. It's as simple as right. that. It literally right. allows slavery to be legal. And we want to take that out of your state constitution. And from your explanation to me before, in our conversations prior to this, they're only allowed, for real, like who would be calling in in the middle of the show is a person that no, don't, don't follow my work at all? Right. anyway... Right. <laughs> anyway, so in Kentucky, apparently you're only allowed to have two constitutional amendments on the table at a time. Is that correct, Pat? This one, yes. So we what? have got to somehow convince the legislators of Kentucky that ending legalized slavery should certainly be one of those constitutional changes. And I guess that is the furtherance of your question, Pat. How do we do that? And as I said
7: earlier, I don't know all the lyrics, but I can
5: hum, hum the song.
7: <laughs>
5: <laughs>
7: I, I, I don't know the lyrics either, but but we can probably figure some out.
4: <laughs> yes, uh, we You know, been, I came across – oh, I'm sorry, Max. We,
5: we've been doing this for a minute now, and we found some things that work. And we'll be applying those things that work and trying not to apply to things that don't work. Right.
4: So I came across an article that was put out by WKYT on February 27, 2023, which says Kentuckians pushed to remove slavery from state constitution. And so currently Kentucky's constitution reads slavery and involuntary servitude in this state are forbidden except as punishment for a crime whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. And Kurt Metzmeyer Metzmeyer in the article, Professor of Law at the University of Louisville Brandeis School of Law, he said, Section 25 is merely the reuse of the 13th Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which abolished slavery in the U.S. It is the exact same language. A lot of their prison systems were designed to basically work the same fields that were once used as slaves. And so they kept these kinds of things in their constitutions as a way to really continue the tradition of slavery under a different name. And then Terrence Sullivan, the executive director of the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights, he says, if people are made aware that it even exists, I think they make that many people would say the same thing of, oh, wait, really? And make that decision to change. I think we need to let people speak on the issue that is clearly wrong and out of our past and unacceptable aspect of our past, and it's manifested itself, at least in part, in our present. So I think it does make a point, but I think the legislature should put that up and have this debate, and that came from Senate Majority Floor Leader Gerald Neal. And so you see that this discussion is going on, and, you know, I did, you know, a lot of research on the numbers behind what goes on in Kentucky, you know, as we do with any state. Mm -hmm. Anytime we're dealing with the state, we want to find out Who's making the money? Who's behind it? What are the numbers? And a lot of things jump out, just jump right off the charts. Like According to Prison Policy Initiative or PrisonPolicy.org, it says that blacks make up 8% of the state population but make up 29% of the prison population. You know that's that's a staggering difference right there.
5: Right. Sorry, did somebody say something? Yeah. No, uh, I was just... about we talked about this before the show. That is a representation of the total number of Black people in the state of Kentucky, men, women, right. and children included. But that 29% right. is not a reflection of the total number of people, Black people. It's a reflection of Black adult men only, uh, primarily like 98%. Black adult men. So that means that right. roughly right. three to four percent of the state's entire population is represented ten times this amount in the prison system. Wow. And and
4: yeah, staggering numbers like that. And of course, it breaks it down. Kentucky has twelve state prisons, two private prisons. There was one private prison that had been closed down because. Uh it was a women's prison, and you know, of course, it's what usually happens in women's prisons where the guards are raping the women and abusing the women, so their state closed it down only for them to turn around and reopen it it's you know because they needed the revenue, so it's now a you know a men's prison, but again uh a private prison there are The the corrections expenditures come out to be $719 million, so it's almost a billion. You know, they say uh, the white imprisonment rate per 100,000 is 466, which is the third highest among all states.
8: Mm. The
4: black-to-white ratio is 2.9 to 1. I'm just going through the list. Prison incarceration rate per 100,000, 516, which is seventh highest among all states you know so pretty staggering numbers for uh this is mitch mcconnell state correct
7: for a border state yep
4: yeah for it a border state be... these are huge numbers
7: right so um i need to get those numbers from you
4: oh sure i'll send them to you
7: yeah yeah that'd be great
5: Right. You can point them out to those people who are on the fence about whether or not a crime against humanity should be listed as uh, on their shit to do. <laughs> you
1: know?
5: Right. Like, really?
6: Yeah.
5: Like, it's in, what's in question? What's, yeah. what, is this, what is the thing that is more important than that to Kentuckians at this point?
4: You know? You, you would think, because in California, yeah. it was number 41 on the
5: docket one time. Number 41. Hmm. If that's a reflection of the people's level of concern for it, that is shameful. But, you know, that's not the end of what's going on in Kentucky. Like, we just had a a show last week called Breaking the Silence, right? And uh, we were talking about how the problem is our constitutional rights are not being respected. Uh, We face people who I said are liars and oath breakers. Who swore uh, an oath to protect the rights in the Constitution for the citizens, and, and they are the very people who are violating them every single day. And then only a day or two later, the Department of Justice came out with their report about what was going on in Kentucky, uh, calling it heartbreaking in Louisville, Kentucky's police department. And I'm really not convinced it's limited to Louisville, Kentucky. Pretty sure you're gonna oh, find that happen in many other places, particularly where there's a black population. Oh yeah. Um, mm-hmm. some, of the things, some of the things they found was use of excessive force, including unjustified neck restraints and unreasonable use of dogs and tasers. Mm-hmm. Uh, conduct, they conducted searches based on invalid warrants. They unlawfully executed search warrants without knocking and announcing. They unlawfully stopped, searched, detained. People during street enforcement activities, including traffic and pedestrian stops. Uh, I mean, I just saw a video the other day where the police whole SWAT team showed up to some woman's house about their child jaywalking, and that's how they roll. They wow. unlawfully discriminate against black people in its enforcement activities. They violate the rights of people engaged in protected free rights, uh, free speech rights, uh, critical of policing. That means if you say F the police, uh, you might be going to jail for that. And along with the Louisville Metro, they discriminate against people with behavioral health disabilities when responding to them in a crisis. And it was just so much more that said basically your right to be systemically violated. And not only is it being systemically violated, but it's race-based. So the majority of the people who we are not enforcing rights on and are doing the exact opposite are the black people in the state of Kentucky. Pat? Yeah, I know I just dropped a whole wow. bomb in your lap, but <laughs> 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 let,
7: let, let me pick my jaw up. <laughs> I, I don't, I mean, yeah, I it it is like that. I mean, we saw that clearly in the Breonna Taylor situation a few years ago, and, and it, nothing right. changed, you know, and, and we saw nothing change in that, you know. Um, I don't even remember if there was even arrest, and, and maybe there was one arrest made that was kind of superfluous, and he walked free, you know, after a minute or something. Right. But and it's... And I'm sure it's not limited to Louisville. Um, you know, it, it, we're we're a border state, and Rhode Island had it right from the get-go. You know, and Tennessee has started turning their lives around, and um, I'm looking for Kentucky to do the same thing. But um, right. there's, there's a there, there's a lot of crazy politics going on in this state, all all the way from moonshiner laws to stuff in Louisville and beyond. Yes.
6: Right. Uh, All
5: of this is basically the um,
7: ripple effects
5: of another thing. Uh, One thing after the other that allowed us to be where we're at right now in this condition um, and we keep pointing at that exception clause, and that's why we say it's so important. With uh, that being right. said, well? let's go ahead and play one more of our tracks we have prepared for this evening, where we'll talk a little bit about emergence and system thinking, and we'll have it followed up by Odie uh, with his song Phenomena. Uh, you're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org, with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Our guest today is Pat Gailey and we are breaking down the science.
0: The physics of abolition. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. 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 abolition.
1: A system is a set of elements and relationships between those elements through which they form a whole. Yeah. Thus, when we look at a composite entity like a tree or a chair, we could equally ask a different question from talking about the parts. We could ask how yeah. the parts are interrelated to form the whole organization. This is a very different way of looking at the world. This approach to reasoning about some entity is called synthesis, where synthesis means the combination of components or elements to form a connected whole. This basic set of assumptions that support an approach to scientific inquiry is called a paradigm. Thus, we can identify these two different paradigms, one of analytical reductionism and the other of what we call synthetic holism, also called systems thinking. To understand why synthetic reasoning is of importance we have to understand better this idea of emergence emergence is a process whereby novel properties features or structures are formed as we combine elementary parts with emergence when we put things together in a particular way something new is formed that none of the parts has and we call this newly combined organization an emergent phenomenon
0: Abolition, Abolition,
4: Abolition, Abolition, day. Welcome back to Abolition Today, AbolitionToday.org with you know, Max yeah, Parkinson and, and Yusuf yeah. on- yeah. Hassan you, know, yeah. you just heard Emergence and Systems Thinking and that was followed by Odie Phenomenon So Pat, of course we're going to pass to you first and get your feedback on what you just heard in the clip about the emergence and systems thinking?
7: Yeah, thank you. Um, tell you what, y'all are giving me a lot to think about tonight. <laughs> and that's, and that's great. Um, the the first thing, <laughs> right? The, the first thing that that comes to my mind is in, in our. Earlier discussion we were talking about emergence and and how you can't predict what emerges you know it's it's like these things are gonna come together, and you cannot dictate what's gonna be the outcome you, you just can't and David Bohm wrote a whole book trying to figure out causation and how how we can predict you know what what causes what and and what he came up with is that it's all probabilities. You know the the best that we can back on is is probabilities um, yeah. but you know when when you look at the um quantum theory properties, what you see is that even though you can't predict what's gonna happen, you can influence it, and you know like in in my book, I use the a picture of a pentagon you know just a five-sided figure and um, symbolic of a particle and there's a kind of a five-sided cloud that is the wave that corresponds with that particle and and the the meaning of the five-sided carries forth in both of those right you know so mm-hmm. if one changes then the other is going to change if the, and the if the other changes then the, the one is going to change and so if we influence by keeping at the top of our minds what we dream, you know, our our basic hopes for equity, for right relationships, for um, a better world, then that, those ideas will influence they will inform what we do, right? Just just like the five sided wave is going to influence the five sided particle, and it just really depends on, you know, whether you're seeing the the wave or the particle. It just depends on on what um, what observation tool you're using. Basically, I mean that that's what it comes down to. And if if that's hard to understand, is like we can look at a person. As a biological being, you know that we can touch, that we can see, that we can hear, um, that has certain physical properties. It's tangible, and you know a, a doctor, or hopefully not doctors, but some people might just look at a person and say, okay, that that's a biological being, and and end of story. That's their definition of the of the human being they're looking at. But we all know that there's a whole other side of human beings right there's the lived experience you know the the dreams the hopes the um, the awe that that we run into sometimes that is totally unanticipated um, our life histories and if we're looking at that lens through that lens, then we see a whole different thing when when we're looking at a we're, you know, we're we're looking at the uh, more the energetic component of that person rather than the, the physical manifestation. We're looking at the wave, and so focusing on that instead of on the the physical, we have to focus on the physical sometimes. But uh, you know, focusing on life experience, I think, is so important to guide us in in. Um, informing what is going to emerge because if if we're just focused on the, the physical experience, how short-sighted is that?
5: You know. That's right. right. There's a lot of things we do instinctively because of our
7: species,
5: or, or because of the way our body functions. You know that are very much predictable. Uh, I like right. to think that chaos is simply complex systems we have yet to understand. Uh, that there's order in everything uh, doesn't mean you know what that order is. And so you view that order as chaos. I also uh, believe that influencing things that have yet to come or predicting them in advance uh, it is also possible. And we see that uh, through the enslavers efforts because remember they also practiced science. As well uh, Often it was pseudoscience. Uh, they were the authors uh-huh. of uh, Many things like this whole pseudoscience about race uh, Also, they were the authors right. of, uh, Following behind Darwin's evolution theory and Darwin was a straight-up racist claiming that uh, the African man was an example of evolution because he was the closest thing to the gorilla. Um, mm-hmm. They also were the, uh, authors of things like, uh, was that when they wanted to kill all the babies? Eugenics. Um, eugenics. Eugenics. Authors of eugenics explaining why certain people should not be allowed to live because of this, that, and the other thing. So they were often using science against us as enslaved um and they were able to they're doing it right now. Like there is predictive software that we've talked about mm-hmm. on this program that's in use right now where the right. author of the software has said on the film Do Not Resist that they can now predict fifty percent accuracy whether or not your unborn child will become a murderer. And they asked the question, what do we do with that information? And so they're predicting in advance, <laughs> using racist programs particularly, wow. on whether or not your child's <laughs> going to be a murderer. Uh, you can right. find that okay, the three we recommend uh, it's called Do Not Resist. It will blow your mind when you see what they're doing out there. Uh, so yeah. also the other way to be able to influence what is to come is to pattern recognition. Because there is a pattern that repeats, whether mm-hmm. it goes through history or just in the past hour a pattern does uh repeat and once you are able to identify that pattern you can cause interference uh with the pattern by mm-hmm. putting something in place of its normal wave function so mm-hmm. that's what we're doing here right now <laughs> you know literally right,
7: right.
5: <laughs> all right pat yeah. you know
7: oh reminder? I'm sorry
4: go ahead pat please
7: no, I, I was just saying thank you for that reminder about the patterns. That that is so important.
4: Okay, I I, I wanted I wanted to point something out because I've heard us we've mentioned it a couple of times about Kentucky being a border state, and mm-hmm. hearing some a place being a border state, you know, it makes them sound innocent when it comes to slavery. <laughs> yeah, like we had no hand in it. We were just on the border. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Have you ever heard this have you ever heard the term sold down the river? Oh yeah. Everybody's heard this term. You know, it's right. it's uh used to signify a profound betrayal. Well, mm-hmm. river was a literal reference to the Ohio and Mississippi rivers. For much of the first half of the 19th century, Louisville, Kentucky, was one of the largest slave trading marketplaces in the country. Enslaved people would be taken to Louisville to be sold down the river and transported to the cotton plantations in states further south. So Hmm. that's where the term comes from, and it says, because white planters valued men over women as laborers, male enslaved were far more likely to be sold down the river. In addition to the tragedy of being separated from family to be sent down the river, meant the sentence mm-hmm. of brutally hard labor. As the global demand for cotton grew, the demand for more and more slave labor grew at an equally large pace. And there's this area uh, called Garrison That's the
5: interconnectedness you're talking about, right? Right, exactly. Interconnectedness.
4: Mm-hmm. Interconnectedness. So there was a place called Garrison Slave Pen, and it mentions that four slave markets, including Garrison's and Arterburn's, sold men, woven, women, and children like sheep. So that was that's what was going on, and then we can bring it forward into the 21st century where we start talking about Hickman's Egg Farm. Are you familiar with that, Pat? Hickman's. I'm sure yeah, they talk about yeah. that down there a lot.
7: Yeah, where, I, I have heard about it.
4: Where a large portion of the eggs that we find in our supermarkets come from Hickman's Women's Prison. It's not in Kentucky. It happens to be in Arizona. You know, and I said I wasn't going to bring it up, but it just came came to mind. But right. That's that interconnectedness. And when we start throwing uh, things in there, you know, if you have a cog going, you maybe throw a pebble in there, it can get lodged in between the gears and it throws off the functionality of the machine. And Mm -hmm. we saw that happen back in 2017, I believe, where we would, we had just had the millions for prisoners March. And we remember seeing at the time, Attorney General Loretta Lynch make the announcement that the U.S. was no longer going to do business with Corrections Corporation of America, which is now known as CoreCivic, and the stocks plummeted that day of CoreCivic and GEO Group. Just from the chaos that we were creating by bringing the attention nationally and internationally of what was going on in the prisons and how it's tied to slavery.
7: I remember when that happened.
5: Yes.
4: Okay, I guess uh, that's my fault. That was a that was a horrible pass from me Because I didn't pass
6: it <laughs> to anybody. <laughs> yeah, I know, you just
5: I'll take
4: the blame
6: for that one. <laughs> I just
5: dropped the mic All and
2: walked away. <laughs> um
5: I, I did want to point out something that the audios you've heard so far come from Systems Innovation on YouTube where they have a whole course on complexity complexity theory. I highly suggest that you go through it, you'll learn a lot more there than you have been learning here today. Today, our goal was to show you that these systems exist, missions for how they work, and that they're predictable, and they create patterns. And also to show you how uh, just simple things, little things that you personally can do, can change the entire system. Uh, what mm-hmm. you do matters very much. Uh, let's talk about an example would be, you know, the use of the... And popular music and social Discourse right uh, mm-hmm. Imagine the 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 pain and suffering And uh, the Oppression that just the use of that Is causing to us like You're calling your own brother and sister A nigger like you're my nigger Like as in compared to what To being somebody else's nigger You know I, I, I don't get it And I don't understand why we continue To propagate that very destructive thing over and over again you hear it in the songs we play here today with mike uh nazis one mike and others it's a fact of life it's the way things are but imagine if you personally the person that is listening to me right now who uses that regularly decides to stop imagine if a lot of other people decide to stop at a point you get Mm -hmm. critical mass and critical Critical mass mass is where it spreads on its own exponentially and eventually that pain and suffering is taken away from us, and we are no longer identifying as someone else's chattel property. It's just a simple thing. Change your mind, and you change the world.
7: <laughs> yeah.
5: It's really a matter of perspective, um, and that's why I'm glad they were talking about emergent systems, uh, emergence and system thinking. And the song by Odie, uh, Phenomenon, was wonderful. Uh, He's like, I want to change the whole world. Can you see the Mm -hmm. phenomenon? And he, he knows it's possible that he could do it, that any one of us could do it. We just have to learn more about how we're connected. We are like nodes connected. And emergent properties are I was telling David, who's sitting right here with me yesterday, an example of that that they talk about in the series is walking. Walking is an emergent phenomenon. If you only had one leg, you would have to hop, right? But if you got right. two legs, two hops do not equal walking. That's not walking with two hops. If you have two <laughs> legs and each leg you're hopping. That's not walking. Walking <laughs> is an emergent phenomenon that is greater than the sum of its parts. Uh, so that's an example of how these things come into being, these emergent phenomenons, and we see them occurring, as I said, in real time right now with the slavery abolitionist movement. We have literally abolished slavery from seven states now, bringing us to a total of eight. We got uh, 12 that are on the 13 that are on the table to do so now. We got seven of them with legislation. All of that from what? From the initial conditions we created by saying, no, we will not – continue to exist in a nation where slavery is legal and enough voices combined made those changes. Yours, mine's, Pat's, Sharon's, all those people who were involved together, although we didn't have that much power separately, together we became a thick rope that was almost impossible to cut. Pat You know when you're know, dropping I'm bombs thinking... in your lap. You just
7: so you know <laughs> <laughs> You, you and I are going to have a long talk later. right. <laughs> I'm, I'm good. I'm I'm good. You're you're giving me a lot to think about. Um, you know, when when you're talking about doing little things, um, and making those little changes, that really requires being conscious of what we're doing. You know, and and I I think that a lot of people are not yet conscious, and so they need to be woken up. You know, if, did you realize you just used that word, kind of thing? Um, and it, it's hard I, as as a white person. I I know this, and I know from myself and a lot of other white people, it's hard for us to look at some of the things, some of the patterns that we have that are so ingrained. You know that that we don't even realize what we're doing but but we have to we we must get more aware of ourselves and and this is where I rely on um, not just the external pressure you know that that comes from other people or whatever in our environment but but we have to get we have to get serious about who we are you know and how we relate to ourselves and um, Develop some integrity around that, because if we don't, then, then we can do all we kinds can do of, all little things things of little things that um, that that we might think are good in the moment, and then turn around and tomorrow it's like, oh, whoops, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. You know. So, so for me, it's there's there's a long um, a long and hard road for for many of us in, in getting to that place and um, I I hope that that my book and my work can help people to be more aware of who they are and what they're doing because that's gonna help them make better choices. That's that's actually where I started with with writing this book that I wrote was how can I make better choices. You know, choices that not only really support me as an individual, but that actually help other people too. Because I don't, I don't want to not, you know, I, I don't want to be narcissistic here. <laughs> you know, and, and I, I mean, I do want a, a good life for myself, and I want to feel satisfied with with what I do. But um, I, I can't unless I'm looking out for other people too. Does that make
0: sense?
5: Absolutely. Yes, it does make sense. It makes all the sense in the world to me. Um, and I'm very proud of the work that you and others are doing and the work on yourselves, just like we're all doing, to try to continually uh, be more prepared, to understand clearer uh, the things that are affecting us every day. Uh, My mentor told, it was one of the things that he taught me is that it's up to me to understand how the world works because the world is working on me and I need to know what Mm -hmm. it's doing. So if you're going to understand yourself, you by necessity must understand how the world works. And if you don't do Mm -hmm. that, you're ignorant. You're just walking through life blindly, being affected by tides and movements that you aren't even aware of, that are... Dictating almost Mm -hmm. everything you say, do, and are, a literal product of your environment, becoming what you eat, so to speak. And the only way to get out Mm -hmm. of that is to better understand who you are in this place and time and what the world, how the world works and how it works on you. Amen. We're on the same page. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Uh, I I would hope many more would follow suit. Um, And one of the things that is the most important to learn is a foundational uh, truth. And the truth that we have right here right now is that slavery is still legal. And not only is it still legal, it's actually still in practice by the state themselves. These, Um, Department of Justice investigations have only uh, reinforced the the very statements we've been saying forever that using this system to uh, enrich particular people and communities at the expense and blood and lives of others. And it's often race and class based because traditionally that's how it's always been. Especially when you hear arguments coming from people who sound like they're still in 1850 or 1830 literally repeating right. the same things that were said then mm-hmm. like about what did we say last week with uh, Marjorie Taylor Green where she was saying that black people are lazy and, lazy. and worthless yeah. yeah lazy and worthless it was just it, it, it was simply a meme <laughs> you know what I mean it's like the same thing you've been saying right over over alright so it's 830 we have a 20 more minutes that we want to spend uh, program before we get into our final comments and our final segment. We have one more track that we want to play during this period, and we'll go ahead and open up the phone lines just for a call or two. If you have a question or a comment, uh, you can dial 515-605-9814. Remember to press 1 on your keypad to let us know that uh, you have a question or comment, and it will put you in queue. That's five one five six zero five nine eight one four. But before that, I do that. I will see if my guests here, uh, David and Sharon, uh, have any questions or comments themselves. How are we guys? Uh, so far, uh, I don't want to say enjoying. But absorbing the show, uh, what, how do you feel about what you've heard so far? Oh, this is great. I mean, you don't hear this type of information anywhere
4: else, pretty much the information I'm getting. So, I mean, I think, I think it's great. Like, more conversations like this need to happen. Like, we need to break down, like, the physics, the science of this system that's on top of us, you know, and that's, like, keeping us from, like, rising up. So, So I think this is great, you know.
5: You gotta go deeper. Go deeper. Go deeper. Get the scuba
4: gear. Get the scuba gear. Go we deeper. Order? David says.
5: Let's see what the bottom of the Mariana Trench looks like.
6: Ooh.
5: <laughs> 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 All right. Uh, well, let's go ahead and get this other clip in. Uh, we're gonna finish it off. Uh, this part of the series with Ali Rana Films' The Butterfly Effect. Everything you do matters. And it's going to be followed by Mooney Long's Butterfly Effect. And that is something special. Think about what you're listening to as you hear it. It is simply amazing. You're listening to Abolition Today, abolitiontoday.org with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan. Our guest today has been Pat Gailey, and we've been talking about the physics of
0: abolition. We'll be right back after this. Abolition. Abolition. Nature is
9: highly complex and the only prediction you can make is that she is incalculable. The amazing unpredictability of nature is what makes it marvelous and mysterious. This is what chaos theory looks like. To simplify and further explain this phenomenon, one of the early pioneers in chaos theory, Edward Lawrence, an American mathematician and meteorologist coined the butterfly explanation or popularly known as the butterfly effect. Proven in 1963, the theory implies that in some part of the world, an action as small as a butterfly flapping its wings might create tiny changes in the atmosphere, which would eventually lead to drastic ups and downs in the environment, causing events as catastrophic as a hurricane in a completely different part of the world. Had the butterfly not flapped its wings, the trajectory of the system might have been vastly different. Let us illustrate this with some existing patterns. Early October 1907, a young man takes the entrance examination to the Vienna Academy of Fine Arts. Of 133 initial applicants, only 28 pass. This man is not one of them. Fueled with rage when he asked the examining board for an explanation, they said that his drawings lacked an artistic inclination. Little did they know, this man was an anti-Semite and would eventually go on to become the Chancellor of Germany, turning him into one of the major factors at beginning the Holocaust and the Second World War. Adolf Hitler. In 1962, American scientists and military experts feared what might happen in the event of a Soviet attack on the nation's telephone system. A computer scientist named J.C.R. Licklider proposed a solution to this problem. A galactic network of computers that could talk to one another. Little did they know, this idea would eventually be transformed and used for sharing information, entertainment, social networking, etc. by more than 2 billion people today. The World Wide Web. And if only one thing had happened differently, if the Americans were not paranoid about the Soviets or if Hitler wasn't rejected from art school, it might have been an altered world we would be living in today. Now, how far back could you go in your life to show whose move at what time sparked a series of events that led up to you watching this video, making you what you are today. There are generations yet unborn whose very lives will be shaped and shifted by what you do today or tomorrow and the next day, because everything you do matters.
0: You
4: just heard Ali Rana Films, The Butterfly Effect, Everything You Do Matters, and that was followed by Mooney Long's Butterfly Butterfly. Effect. Welcome back to Abolition Today with Max Parthas and Yusuf Hassan and our guest, Pat Galey. So, Pat, of course, I'm going to pass to you again. Pass to you first, so you can get a... your first licks in
7: on what you just heard. (laughs) Well, you know, a a couple of things popped out at me, and and one is that everything you do matters, which is um, so core to my way of thinking. Um, You know, the little choices that we make, as we've talked about, we we can't predict outcomes. But if we're going in the right direction, if we're making choices that are consistent with what is alive, then that's the choices that matter. I mean, that's, that's the choices that we should be making and, and because, because our lives matter, right? And, mm-hmm. and at every moment, no, no matter what decision we're making, we have a choice of whether to support life or not. And that, that's what I try to do. Since I've learned this, um, is I, I try to make the choices that that support life. Um, it's it's not always easy, but um, but when I follow these criteria, you know, there's these four criteria that that have to be supported if we're going to stay alive. If, if I uh, make my choices based on whether or not a choice is going to support those criteria or not, or those qualities or not, then then the the answers are clear, and and I know what I should do, it, and it it gets a whole lot easier if I kind of follow those rules. In the the second um, part of that clip, I was not able to catch all the words, but my sense of it was that. Um, this beautiful thing can unfold, you know, from from the butterfly effect, from making good choices that that we can, we can have a a lovely experience can unfold, you know, if we allow that. And, and I, I appreciate that, as, especially here as a, as the last um, clip that that we're listening to. Um, I appreciate that focus right here at the end of the yes. show. Um, it's it's not always easy for me to focus on that, but I think it's so important to um, stay positive, not to bury our heads in the sand, not to ignore the bad things that are happening, but to try to keep a positive outlook and to find those pieces in the in the chaos around us that are going to be helpful to us. Moving yes. on. So, so that's kind of what I have to say about that. Um,
5: I I love what Mooney Long did. Uh, I've listened to it about a half a dozen plus times now, you know. Mm. And I understand. No, I the thought the I was the only one. <laughs> I understand the depth of where she was coming from. She was singing about timelines and realities that she had glimpsed that didn't exist anymore. And she was pointing out the mm-hmm. moment in time that had changed reality because she didn't do what she had done before. So if she just had turned down that street, if she didn't miss her exit, mm-hmm. she'd be making you breakfast, you know. And she's praying that apparently in a third opportunity, she gets to make that turn so that she does not miss the love of her life that she remembers. It reminds me of the film The Butterfly Effect, where the uh, person in the star of that film was able to remember multiple timelines that all uh, kind of connected back to just small changes in his life that made everything different. And I just thought that was brilliant, and to have it, a love song, so people like, wow, y'all playing love songs on Abolition Today? Yeah, right. <laughs> right.
6: <laughs>
5: you know, because we beautiful. were just... Right, it's beautiful and genius, uh, and she did a great job of that, and following up on the breakdown of the butterfly effect, and I know it oversimplified, but it really does boil down to simple moments like that. If Hitler had not been denied an opportunity to Mm -hmm. go to art school. Uh, Maybe instead of being the architect of the Holocaust, he would have been the architect of some three or four paintings that everybody remembers. You know what I mean? (laughs) Right. You never know how it had changed. But there are times and places that you know will make a change. And for us, that butterfly effect, that initial condition of chaos – where things change, is the language of the Constitution, which is the literal laws of the land, and which create, basically, our nation's personality, our nation's morals and ethics. These are the things we believe and don't believe. These are things we think are criminal and not criminal. These are the things that we think should be a right for everybody in this country. So that is an important document, and there's nothing in it that is symbolic. Uh, Every law that we have is based on that. And if a law does not adhere to the Constitution, guess what? It's unconstitutional, (laughs) and it's not a law. (laughs) Uh, So we feel like if we can just change these amendments and put the right language in there, we'll see a world that has never existed before because we don't know what it looks like to have legalized slavery not allowed in this country. We've seen it every day. It's been a whole existence to right now. And we want to see what it looks like without that. All right. What I want to do is take a moment to go ahead and Pat and say thank you, first of all, for spending your time here with us tonight. The program is not over. We do have our Bridging the Gap, which is amazing. And we hope everybody continues to listen to that. But I do want to take some time to say thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, I'm looking forward to working with you further on Kentucky. And I want to give you an opportunity to point our listeners in any direction you want to point them in and give them any words of wisdom that you like to offer before we conclude.
7: Well, I, I want to say thank you to you also for, for including me here and for a very um, stimulating conversation. I, I really appreciate the opportunity to think through these things a little bit more. Um, if people want to look at my website, there's a lot of information there. Um, not just about my book, but there are um there's a, a page that gives a very brief description of the four qualities that are required to stay alive. So you don't have to read the whole book to get it. You can get a glimpse of it in um on one of my web pages there and um there are some workshop possibilities listed there. If, um, if anybody wants a workshop, let me know. If you need coaching, let me know, and we can work something out. And I look forward to um, talking with you all again.
4: Yeah, thank you so much, Pat. You know, Max, my mother just sent me a text, really interesting. She said... Not only that about Hitler in oh, art right. school, but she said his mother kept having miscarriages until he was born.
7: Right. Oh my gosh.
5: <laughs> until he was born.
6: <laughs> yeah. Oh, wow. That's <laughs> heavy.
5: Well, um, we uh we're gonna wrap it up now and thank our sponsors and thank our listeners as always, uh, for participating. Uh, we appreciate you greatly. I do see that there is a hand up but we're kinda late on it. So Yeah, that's that's uh, that's Sean. Sorry, oh, Sean. We couldn't um, get to sorry, it uh, Yeah, we're down to our last two minutes and then we gotta do our bridge in the gap. So, uh with that being said, I'll pass it over to Yusuf. Make sure you tune in next week when we have our guests from Thirteenth Forward, the New York abolitionists here on the program. That's
4: right. So we wanna thank Pat Gailey, thank all of the listeners. Uh, we want to thank our sponsors and partners, Jailhouse Lawyers Speak, I Am We, Ubuntu Prison Advocacy Network, Sameer Urge, that's Quakers Uplifting Racial Justice, the Paul Cuffee Abolitionist Center, Prismatic Dreams, and the Abolish Slavery National Network. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel, that's youtube.com, slash abolitiontoday, and our Facebook page, Abolition Today. For all the news, information, and music you hear on the program, Abolition Today is available on all major podcast platforms. Also remember to join the movement at AbolishSlavery.us to become part of the solution. Text, end the exception, end the exception, one word, no spaces, to 52886 and follow the prompts. This will send a signed petition on your behalf to your congressional reps in support of the proposed twenty eighth Amendment to repeal and replace the exception clause of the 13th Amendment. This week's Bridging the Gap is something really special. So we have Eric Herstall, who's the author of The Science of Abolition. So we're going to make that connection between abolition and science as applied by our ancestors. And then that's going to be followed up by my favorite most deaf deaf track, Mathematics. And you're going to hear how he's going to break down the mathematics, and it ties right into this Uh, Physics of Abolition or Physics of Complexity Theory So we'll be back next week on the 19th God willing with another master class on slavery abolition So until next week, think about abolition today Peace and blessings be upon you all Peace
0: Abolition, Abolition
10: Throughout the summer of 1851 Thousands of spectators withstood sweltering heat in London's Hyde Park waiting to enter the Crystal Palace, an enormous glass structure that had been built for that year's great exhibition. A predecessor to the World's Fair, the Great Exhibition functioned as a showcase for the day's most promising scientific inventions. Uh, inventions that the exhibition's promoters thought would hope would offer hope for humanity's future. Britain had abolished slavery thirteen years earlier, and now positioned itself as the global leader in the international fight against slavery. And perhaps unsurprisingly, the most talked about invention at this year's 1851 exhibition was a new chemical bath machine for flax, uh, a fiber similar uh, to well, flax, which, you know, as a contrast to cotton, uh, it was this chemical bath, bath machine whose inventors, whose inventors marketed as a technological solution to slavery. If independent farmers in the American Midwest and Ireland cultivated flax, its inventors claimed, this chemical machine would turn flax into a cheaper alternative to slave-grown cotton, effectively putting American slaveholders out of business. Quote, the abolition of slavery will be greatly accelerated by this machine, wrote one of the machine's inventors, uh, one of whom was a chemistry professor at London's Royal Polytechnic Institute. This chemical flax machine won top prize at the Great Exhibition this year, and anti-slavery supporters in the United States, both radical abolitionists and more cautious white anti-slavery moderates, wasted no time in heralding cotton doom. Quote, science is king, not cotton, wrote the New England farmer. Fugitive slaves should be standing in the front ranks of this experiment, declared Henry Bibb, a fugitive black leader formerly enslaved in Kentucky, uh, wrote in his uh, British Canada-based newspaper. The chemical machine was in fact only one of a much broader array of scientific ideas and technological inventions that British and American scientists, as well as black and white abolitionists, used to discredit the institution of slavery. From the birth of the organized abolitionist movement in the 1770s and through British emancipation in the 1830s and through the American Civil War, anti-slavery men of science and black and white abolitionists routinely portrayed slaveholders as scientifically inept and technologically unsophisticated, in short, the enemies of science. And yet this image of slaveholders as the enemies of science tends not to be the, the, the first one that we associate regarding the relationship between science and slavery. If anything, historians generally assume that insofar as scientific knowledge mattered in the debates over slavery, it was slaveholders and not abolitionists who dominated the scientific discourse. In this telling, the dominant one, discussions of racial science take center stage with many believing that slaveholders effectively won the scientific debate, given how common racist racial science was during the entire antebellum period. Yet one of the core arguments of my book is that if we look beyond racial science and instead survey scientific arguments in its broadest sense, from ideas rooted in natural history, botany, and medicine, to technological in, uh, inventions, geology, and even astronomy, an entirely different picture emerges. Rather than playing mere defense, I argue that abolitionists were in fact uh, were in fact uh, far more often on the scientific offensive, and they were particularly successful at wedding the image of science to the cause of abolition. Appreciating abolitionists scientific arguments, or what I call the science of abolition, matters not only because it challenges the common assumption that enslavers vis-a-vis racial science dominated the scientific debates surrounding slavery. It matters because scientific arguments played a pivotal role in legitimating the anti-slavery movement, which was particularly important in an era in which science was gaining uh, cultural prestige and when abolitionists were trying to move beyond the movement's uh, parochial and moral arguments. And secondly, understanding the science of abolition matters because the scientific case against slavery helps explain where the myth of slavery's backwardsness comes from. The idea that is that slaveholders were high aristocrats and that their institution, slavery, was bound to be defeated by the forces of modernity. In this last regard, my book speaks directly to the new history of slavery and capitalism. Much like the older scholarship on which it's based, these new histories are trying to challenge, and I think rightly, the notion that slavery had little to do with the rise of modern capitalism and closely associated symbols of modernity, namely science and technology. But what rarely goes asked in this new literature, both in its newer forms, I should say, and its original older form, and what my book in part tries to answer, is where the idea that slavery was backwards comes from in the first place. One of my core arguments, then, is that black and white abolitionists, along with their scientific allies, were essential to that myth's creation. By marshalling a wide range of scientific arguments, again rooted in ideas from chemistry, medicine, and botany, to technology and geology, these abolitionists and their scientific allies effectively portrayed slaveholders as the enemies of not only science, but of progress itself, and thus as fundamentally backwards.
8: Bucka, 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 bucka Ha ha You know the devil This is me though Beats by supremo For all of my people Negroes and Latinos And even the Gringos Yo, check it One for Charlie Hustle Two for Steady Rock Three for the fourth coming live, huge shot it's Five dimensions, six senses Seven from Olympus, a heaven to hell Eight million stories to tell Nine planets faithfully keep an orbit with the probable tent The universe expands length The body of my text possess extra strength Power lifting powerless, up, out of this, sour inferno, infernal My so hot it burn through the journal I'm blacking at midnight on pro where you myrtle Hip hop past all your tall social hurdles Like the nationwide projects, prison industry complex Working class poor, better give you a Long set streets too loud to ever hear freedom ring. Say you're back in with your sleep. It's dangerous to dream, but your chain cats if they just you dead now? Killing fields need blood to grade the cash cow. numbers game, but shit don't add up somehow. Like, I got six the 32 bars to rock it with only 15% of profits Ever seen my pockets like 69 billion in the last 20 years Spent on national defense for folks still living fear like Nearly half of America's largest cities is one quarter black That's why they gave Ricky Ross all the crap 16 ounces to a pound 20 more to a key A five minute sitting steering and you no longer free 40% of Americans own a cell phone So they can hear everything that you say when well, you ain't home I guess Michael Jackson was right You were not alone Rock your heart half black as you in the pterodomes hard niggas, large niggas, dice tumblers young teens and freaking greens placing life numbers crack mothers, crack babies, and maze faces young blood can't spell but they can rock you in playstation new mappers with my motherfuckers ass you wanna know how to rhyme you better learn how to add it's mathematics might be most deaf <laughs> it's simple mathematics <laughs> check it out <laughs> uh, I'll revolve around China what
2: are we talking about here Mighty most deaf <laughs> It's simple mathematics
8: Check it out <laughs> I'll revolve around time What are we talking about here? New
1: young man New young man One, two, two, three, four. What are we talking about here?
2: Yeah one universal law, but two sides to every story. Three strikes and you bitten for life. Mandatory. Four MCs murdered in the last four years. I ain't trying to be the fifth when the millennium is here. Yo, million, six million waiting to die from the seven deadly thrills. Eight-year-olds getting found with nine mills. It's simple p.m. where your see that. What's the deal? They on the hill pumping krills to keep their bellies filled. in the ass with heavy steel. Sights on the pretty shit in life. Young soldiers trying to earn their next strike. When the average minimum wage is 515, you best believe you got to find a new to get cream. The white unemployment rate is nearly more than triple for black. The front line has got their gun in your back.
8: the crack. Jews after the robbery to combat poverty and end up in the global jail economy. Stipper stipulations attached to each sentence. Budget cutbacks would increase police presence. And even if you get out of prison still living, join the other 5 million under state supervision. This is business. No faces, just lines and statistics from your phone, your zip code, the SSI digits. The system break, man, child, and women in the figures. Two columns for who is and who ain't niggas Numbers is hard and real and they never have finnas But you push too hard, even numbers got limits Why the one straw break the camel's back is the secret The million other straws underneath it It's all so mathematics
2: Mighty <laughs> most deaf
8: <laughs> <laughs> It's simple mathematics Check it out <laughs> uh, i around
2: time What are we talking about here Mighty <laughs> most deaf <laughs> 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 It's
8: simple mathematics <laughs> Check it out <laughs>
1: What are we talking about here?
8: Mathematics. Mathematics.
0: Abolition. 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 If we'd known you all were going to be
7: this much trouble, we would have picked our own fucking cotton.